Welcome to the FemiPod. These are conversations about females for everyone to listen to, learn from and engage with. Brought to you by your Femi founders, Esther Kewen and myself, Lydia O'Donnell. Welcome back to the Femi Pod for episode number 98. I'm S and always am here with Lids. And this week we are joined by our Femi physiotherapist, the amazing Grace Coombs. Grace has a particular interest in physiotherapy for runners alongside women's health. Her knowledge, studies and training in women's health provides her with expertise to work closely with females who may have pelvic floor or abdominal concerns, secondary to pregnancy, postnatal endometriosis and other hormonal disorders or menopause. Grace is also an amazing, passionate runner herself with a long history in the sport and a coach for Femi too. This is Grace's third time on the pod and if you haven't listened to our first and second episode with her, head back to ep 26 and episode number 53 to have a listen. We'll put it in the show notes as well. We're lucky enough to chat to her today about all the things we can do as women runners that can set us up for a successful 2024, keeping our bodies really healthy, injury-free and strong to keep us running sustainably. That was a really long intro, but welcome back to the pod, Grace. How are you? And yeah, happy 2024. Thank you. That was a lovely intro. Um, and I actually forgot that I'd been on the podcast two times um, prior to this. Um, so, yeah. Um, thank you so much for having me on the pod again. And Happy New Year to you both. Can't believe we're already well and truly into Jan. Exciting. I know. It's crazy. I feel like the year is already going so quickly. But um, get us up to speed with your own training. How's your running going? And what plans have you got for 2024 when it comes to your own running? Um, I've got some fun plans this year, actually. Um, I've spent the last couple of years sort of going back and forth between doing ultra runs and trying to improve my half marathon speed. Um, and this year, I've sort of decided that I'd like to go back to focusing on the ultra distance. Um, and my husband and I really love running in the trails. And so we've set ourselves the goal of running all of New Zealand's great walks <laughs> within 2024, which is quite a big goal. We may not achieve it um, just with our life being so busy, but we're going to give it a good goal. So, yeah, there's nine of them. Um, and I think the shortest is 30Ks and the longest is 85. So we'll yeah have our work cut out for us but I'm really looking forward to it because we're not racing we're just gonna enjoy it take our time soak in the views I feel like New Zealand is like the best place in the world to do something like that like oh just the scenery around New Zealand is just so incredible I feel like this country's made for running oh it's we're so so lucky and one of the best things about trail running in New Zealand is there's nothing that can kill you. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking that too. I was like, there's no bears and like snakes and anything that can yeah, eat you or attack you, which is nice. Yeah, so you can actually look up and at the views, not just at the ground. <laughs> it's quite nice. So um, nice. Yeah, we're really looking forward to it. There's a great walk on Stewart Island and we've never been there, so it'll be a good excuse for get there as well 
Amazing. Wow. Let's get into things. Uh, we definitely want to give some good advice to everybody so they can walk away from listening to this podcast, feeling really excited about having a sustainable and consistent year of running. You know, our goal at Femi is not really looking at finish lines, but allowing women to enjoy running consistently forever. So we want them to take some good advice away today. And that's hence why we have you here to answer some of our questions. The first one being, what is the biggest mistake you see runners make? This is a big question. If I had to choose one thing, it would be runners are most likely overtraining. And that's sort of the biggest mistake that I would see in the clinic is that the person in front of me is injured um, because they've been overtraining in some way. So that maybe not having as much rest or recovery as they should be, or they might just be going too hard in all of their sessions um, rather than taking easy days. Um, or they've sort of, they're doing the right amount of training, but they've gone into it too quickly um, and they haven't had that base sort of built up prior to that and then they've ended up injured. So, yeah, I would say overtraining is the biggest mistake I see people make. I think consistency and patience is so important when it yeah. comes to running. Totally. We, we see that a lot too. Um, and putting too much pressure as a beginner on like, I don't know, going out and being like, I need to run 20 minutes straight or something. Um, we see that quite often rather than run walk programs that are so much safer, um, building up your running so much, yeah, more sustainably and safely and getting your body used to the load. So yeah, we see, we see it a lot as well with athletes uh that we coach as well so yeah a very big mistake that a lot of runners make and it's so easy to make because I think people don't realize how long it actually takes for the body to adapt to training loads you know like getting the right training load from the start and then staying really consistent with that is really hard because it's so easy to just jump on another training plan or sort of copy what your training friend is doing who might have years and years more experience in running than you and therefore their body can tolerate that um a little bit easier so I know there's probably lots of like factors that go into this but if someone was listening do you have any guidelines around how long it takes for your body to adapt to load and like how you should progress your running great question I've got the perfect analogy for this and it takes a little bit of explaining but I'll give it a go <laughs> Um, and it's this analogy that I call the bucket analogy. And I didn't come up with this. I've heard it um, over the years. But essentially, we've all got a bucket. And the bucket is a representation of your capacity and what you can tolerate as a runner, right? So everyone's bucket is a different size depending on what they've done. So if you're an elite runner and you've run for 20 years, your bucket's going to be really big. Um, which means that you can tolerate a lot. If you're a new runner, you're going to have a really teeny tiny bucket um, compared to that larger one. And the idea of training, so running training, is that over time we can make our bucket bigger. Um, so every time we train, for example, we might tip a cup of water into that bucket. And if our bucket's really big, we can do quite a lot of training sessions before fills up with water and overflows. If our bucket's really small, we might need to do smaller training sessions um, before we can sort of start to increase that again. 
and then I guess, yeah, the more you train and the more you sort of fill that bucket without letting it overflow, the bigger your bucket is going to get and the more you're going to be able to tolerate. And then if we think about sort of rest and recovery, if we put like a little pinhole in the bottom of that bucket so that a little bit of water could drain out all the time, every time we rest or recover, we're allowing the level of water to drop down a little bit, which means that we can then tolerate a little bit more throw another cup of water in there, do another session and slowly increase the size of the bucket. <laughs> oh, buckets. <laughs> sick of that word now, eh? <laughs> yeah. So with time, you can increase the size, which which is great. But I think where a lot of people go wrong is that they don't realise that the size of their bucket and they overflow the bucket by either doing too much training or too much intensity of training or not enough recovery. So they're not sort of letting letting things balance out and there are other things that would fill that bucket like stress um other sports that you're doing health so that could include your hormonal health um or your energy availability and all of those sorts of things so to answer your question around sort of tips and tricks is quite hard because everyone's bucket is so different so interesting I love a good analogy um (laughs) but I guess like at the end of the day it comes down to comparison right it's like not comparing yourself to others and being patient is probably the best way that you can build running up in a really healthy and sustainable way. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And it takes longer than people realize. Like if you're new to running, um, it's going to take you months, three to six months um, before you should be sort of following what we would call like a normal run program and being able to stay really consistent in that and injury free. And that's just because things like your bones, for example, take six to 12 weeks to adapt to training um, minimum. So, you know, if over that first six to 12 weeks of your training, you're just smashing the loads and doing heaps of speed sessions and not giving yourself enough rest, um, you're going to end up getting injured. Whereas if you sort of progressively load your bone or the tissue that you're loading over time and actually allow it to adapt, going to get to the end of that 12 weeks and it's going to be stronger than it was and then you can just keep building from there mm-hmm. yeah cool that's such a good way to look at it I really like the bucket analogy I'm sure well I feel like I just completely ruined the analogy with that long explanation but <laughs> it was awesome really good yeah I feel like even like when I think of Lid's bucket and my bucket and we've been running for the same amount of years like Lid's bucket is just ultimately bigger than my bucket will ever be um and that's just her biomechanics and her body and like her but ability it's just mileage right like I think you're you're probably better at like being able to withstand the intensity of speed sessions compared to me yeah maybe we're just all different yeah 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 we are all different we are all different and yeah getting to know your own bucket is super important um <laughs> and cherishing your bucket <laughs> yeah be proud of your bucket yeah I love that Liz. <laughs> um Cool. Let's jump into key running injuries. As a physio yourself, you probably see like a few that are the most common. Um, Yeah. Can we run through a few injuries and what we should be aware of if like maybe something's flaring up? Yeah. Great. So if I think about running injuries, the first thing that comes to mind is bone stress injury or stress fracture, which I know we've spoken about um, quite a lot before, but it's incredibly common in runners and it's very common in female runners. Um, and for anyone that doesn't know a bone stress injury or a stress fracture, it's basically like a fatigue, um, 
that's occurred at a certain area of our bone, often in our key sort of weight-bearing joints, so our feet um, and our shins, sometimes our hips and runners. Um, and it's because that bone's been overloaded and it hasn't had enough time to adapt. And then it's either become inflamed um, or it's gotten to the point where it's actually fractured. Um, and these injuries are super serious because uh, we really need our bones. Our skeleton is super important um, and it can often be an indicator that there is something else potentially going on. So maybe our hormones aren't quite um, sort of balanced or maybe we're not getting enough energy in or enough recovery um, with our training. So things to look out for with a bone stress injury would be um, pain that's quite localized to a certain point and often over a bone. So if you're sort of, for example, touching one specific point on your shin um, and it hurts when you touch it and it hurts when you run, um, that's probably a sign that you should get that looked at. Same goes with an area like your foot or your hip. Um, pain that doesn't tend to resolve throughout a training session. So often these sorts of injuries, the more we load them, the more painful they get, which isn't very fun. Um, or pain that's sort of just there even when you're not running. So often when you're just resting, walking, or uh, sometimes at night. So they would be key things to watch out for um, there. Then we could look at injuries like tendon injuries. So a lot of people are aware of the Achilles tendon, which is that really thick tendon at the back of your heel. Um, but we have tendons all over our bodies. So specifically in the lower limb, we've got tendons around our knees and we've also got tendons around our hips. And tendons are a super important tissue when it comes to running because they help to um, stabilise joints but they also help to transfer load and forces sort of across the body and within sort of like the muscle tendon complex. And they're really commonly injured, unfortunately, when it comes to running. Um, the most common, I would say, is the Achilles. And then I would go the lateral hip, so the side of the, the hip. Symptoms, when you have a tendon injury, most commonly, because there are lots of different types of tendon injuries, but most commonly you would find that like first thing in the morning you feel really stiff and sore and that's because the tendon's cold and it hasn't sort of been moving much. But you might find that over the day or over a training session your symptoms go away because it's warmed up, um, which is sometimes great. But often we find that many athletes then put off going to see a physio because they're like, oh, well, it warmed up. I got through the session. That was fine. Um Unfortunately, if you just keep doing that, the pain is often going to just get worse and will then start hurting right throughout a session um, and potentially lead to more time off um, compared to if you just saw someone at the start. <laughs> um, so that's tendons. Tendons are really interesting. I could talk about them for ages. Um, but when we have a tendon injury, a lot of the time, full rest, unless it's really, really angry, uh, full rest is not the best treatment. Tendons actually really like load and progressive loading. So we would be looking at trying to keep you running to some degree. We might have to step it back a little bit um, or take away some speed sessions or hill sessions and then really trying to strengthen the tendon and strengthen the muscles around that tendon so that it can 
learn to cope with what you're asking it to do. Hopefully that answers that one. Knee pain. There's multiple different types of knee pain that runners get. Um, one would be, uh, some people refer to it as runner's knee. Um, but what it is, us physios, we call it patellofemoral joint pain, which is basically just like pain between the patella, which is the kneecap, and the knee joint. Um, and it's often because the sort of forces that are coming through the knee are a little bit off balance. Um, and that might be because of running technique or um, strength or mobility deficits. Um, and the, the joint itself actually just gets a little bit irritated. And it can be really annoying because these sorts of pains just hang around at a really low level and never seem to go away. And again, they're one of those ones where I find lots of athletes put off going to see the physio because it never sort of gets to the point where they have to stop running. Um, but again, come in early and generally we can get rid of it a lot faster. Um, ITB pain at the knee is also something that I would see a lot in runners. And so with ITB pain, iliotibial band pain, um, you might experience pain down the outside of your knee. And it might be worse when you're going up or down hills um, or when you're often actually when you're doing like a slow, long run um, in most people. And often, again, it's because there's either a strength or mobility deficit um, around the knee or higher up the chain, so around your hip, um, that's causing overload on that specific tissue. Um, and again, worth coming in to see a physio to get some treatment for that. That's, yeah, I feel like you were listing things that, yes, I have experienced them all. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> Apart from the runner's knee one, um, which is which was nice. But like if we went back through, yeah, bone stress injury, tendonitis, runner's knee and ITB, what's the one thing we could do to help prevent them? Essentially, look after that bucket of yours um, and make sure you're not overfilling it because it's amazing. Like I, I should be saying strength training and, and, you know, looking after your tissues and that is super, super important. But if you're doing strength training but your bucket's overflowing, you're still going to get injured. So the most important thing you should do is stay consistent and be smart with your training. And then on top of that, if you can fit it in, um, increase your bone and your tendon and your muscle sort of capacity to training, which is where you would do something like strength training um, on top of that. Mm. Yes, I'm very much with Est um, in that I feel like I've experienced a lot of those injuries. Uh, ITB has definitely got to be the worst I feel like for me anyway it was the one that like actually stopped me from running I haven't had a bone stress injury so I can't speak to that but ITB syndrome was like horrific and took me out of running for about eight months because I didn't really know what to do to be able to get over it and once I learned what to do and had actually found a really good physio that helped I was back running in two weeks so uh as Grace mentioned, get to a good physio to get help because you don't want to sit out of something you love doing as long as I had to. Um, but ITB is definitely an annoying one. What about running warm-ups? I'm definitely guilty for not warming my body up when I go out for a run, especially when it's first thing in the morning. How important do you think a running warm-up is? And if you think it is important, what should that look like? I'm incredibly guilty of not... <laughs> very good warm-ups I shouldn't be admitting this but yeah I'm the same it's particularly for an easy run 
Um, I think, personally, I don't think it's as important um, as long as you're starting out slow, sort of using the first five minutes of your run as your warm-up. Um, but if you're doing a hard training session, so like a speed session or a hill session, um, a warm-up is really, really important because you need to prime your tissues, bones, muscles, tendons, um, for what you're about to put them through. And if you've just got up out of bed, um, they're not ready to be doing sprints. So we need to warm up the muscles. We need to get blood flow and oxygen to the muscles, get the heart rate up, um, and that's just going to help um, overall with your training performance, but also to prevent injury. When we do speed sessions, um, we're using, so your muscles, you've got type 1 and type 2 muscle fibres. Type 1 muscle fibres are primarily like the muscles that you would use if you were doing a long, slow run. So they can go for a long time, but they're not going to provide you with heaps of speed and power. Type 2 muscle fibres are the ones that you use if you're doing sprints. So if you're doing a really fast 100 metres, you're probably going to be using a lot of your type 2 muscle fibres. And if you are off to do a session like that and you haven't warmed up your muscles and your type 2 muscle fibres, um, then it's not going to be very fun. So, you know, doing things like drills and strides um, to sort of mimic what you're about to do is always a good option. Yeah. Such good advice. Yeah. I um, What about someone like, this is basically just me asking you about myself right now, but like, I have Achilles issues at the moment, like, um, and I find if I don't do like some calf raises or like sort of loosen up through there, it's the first five minutes can be pretty rough. Like what about a scenario like that where someone's kind of nursing something that might need a little bit more love? Yes, absolutely. Should be warming the Achilles up because um, it's going to make your run a whole lot more comfortable. So yeah, if you've got an injury that you know, like a tendon injury that you know just needs a little bit bit of warmth and blood flow um, pre-run then it's definitely worth doing a warm-up and that could be like a gentle walk um, and then yeah some calf raises um, or the exercises that your physio has given you perhaps um, prior and that's always going to help as well. Awesome amazing uh, great advice what about we see heaps about like Pilates and running and then strength training and running What's your thoughts, Pilates versus weight training? What's better for running? Mm, mm. It's a good question because I teach Pilates. <laughs> um, but I love weight training. And if I pop my um, like physio hat on, I would say strength training and weight training, if you had to pick one, would be the best one to be doing. Um, and that's because you need weight and load to build strength and power, which is going to help you with your speed and your endurance when it comes to running. Um, but you also need, and we know this from the research, you need heavy weights to build muscle hypertrophy, which is then going to protect your bones. Um, it's going to increase your bone density. It's going to protect your tendons, all of those amazing things. So um, if I had to pick one, I would pick strength training. However, Pilates is amazing um, and it's got its own benefits. So Pilates is really great for building stability um, and stability is like, like a good example of stability is 
single leg balance or single leg control. If you've got really good control when you're standing on one leg, hopefully that's going to carry over to really good control when you're landing on one leg when you're running, um, which is then going to help to prevent injuries. It's also really great for your core strength, um, which we know is helpful when it comes to running technique and postural control. Um, and Pilates is just amazing as a lower intensity form of exercise for someone who, you know, perhaps just needs to be doing lower intensity exercise where they still feel like they're getting some resistance training. And so it's absolutely got its place. And in a perfect world, you'd do both. Um, but it's hard to fit it all in sometimes. <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, I feel like a lot of people want to do both because there is like benefit in it as you said at Femi and I think you're very much um on the same page as Esther and myself as coaches we try to make our athletes do like hard days and make them hard to allow the easy days to be easy so we'll usually suggest if they want to lift heavy weights to do that on a day where they have like a harder run in the morning what is your thoughts on doing a, a Pilates session on an easy run day is that something that you would recommend yeah, I think it could definitely be done, but Pilates, it's interesting because Pilates is still really hard. <laughs> it's like the, yeah. Yeah, the, the burn that you get from a Pilates workout is something else um, and can be quite tiring in its own way. So I would, again, just sort of look at the overall picture and the overall training plan um, and just see how that individual athlete or how you yourself are responding to doing that on your easy day because it might feel like it's too much. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, I went through a period of doing quite a lot of Pilates a few years ago, and I actually found that I got more injured and injured in places like that I had never been injured in before because my body just wasn't used to it. But in saying that, I definitely feel like I'm just getting more and more nails the older I get as well. Is that something that you kind of take into account when looking at training programs is like, do you see that older people get, they just tend to get more injuries? Is there any correlation between the two? Yes, and it's so sad. <laughs> because Damn it, you were meant to say no. <laughs> well, I remember when I was a new grad physio, 21, and I would see heaps of patients who were like in their 30s and 40s and like, oh, I just get injured all the time. As soon as you hit 30, it's just downhill from there. <laughs> I was like, whatever, you're probably just deconditioned. Or, you know, who knows? But now that I'm in my 30s, <laughs> I definitely notice I've constantly got something that needs addressing. Um, and I'm just having to be a lot more mindful. And things just take a bit longer to recover when you do get injured. And that's really normal. And unfortunately, the older we get, um, sometimes the longer it can take but again we've all got different sized buckets so um very individual but I guess as we age as women we have quite a lot of hormonal changes that are happening the biggest one would be that our estrogen levels are dropping and estrogen is um as we've spoken about hundreds of times um with Femi it's such a great hormone for us to have it helps to maintain our bone density and um, it helps to keep our collagen fibers nice and elastic and we've got lots of collagen fibers within our muscles and tendons um, and it helps to just keep us nice and strong and have really good muscle mass and so as we start to 
see a decline in estrogen, unfortunately, injury risk such as bone injury, tendon injury, um, and muscle injury do start to increase, and it's harder for us to recover because of that. There are also just age-related degenerative changes that occur um, because we've been, you know, living with our bodies for longer and longer, which is a blessing, but, yeah, does unfortunately mean we're at higher risk. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel slightly, that. Slightly higher risk. Yeah, cool. Yeah, like I noticed I, I, I take way longer, like when I got COVID recently again, um, I just think back to when I was 24 and I probably could have gone to like from like 50Ks to 80Ks and been like absolutely fine. But like as a 30-year-old, my tendons are like, fuck you, don't do that. Um, So like now I just have to be way slower and like much more conservative and then also um, cross-train more. I just have come to the realization that my body doesn't really like that much more than like 90Ks, probably max. And like, that's all good. I just cross-train the other stuff that I want um you know if I want extra mileage or extra minutes under my belt like every week so yeah like you can work with it right and you can still perform at a really high level you just have to be more aware oh totally yeah it's definitely not going to stop you from performing it's just yeah you've just got to be a little bit smarter you can't get away with as much um as you may have when you were younger yeah look at like Lisa Waitman and Sinead Diver and some incredible in their 40s and running a lot of mileage and also really 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 fast absolutely and they're they're very likely sort of just making some slight changes um as they go making sure they are doing all of the things that they should be to protect their tissues as well um so yeah that can be done we had someone in the clinic um a few months ago who was 76 or 78 and she had done like 50 marathons um and she was still going and it was just yeah like she was she'd done them in her in the later stages of her life um which was pretty incredible and she was fine her bucket was happy (laughs) good with another 30 years at least yeah (laughs) inspiration there yeah really yeah (laughs) Uh, awesome. Uh, last kind of question that I've got other things that we can do for consistent training this year, like obviously, yeah, we've touched on like strength training and, um, being careful with your bucket, but yeah, what are some other things we can do, um, or the listeners to consistently training, keep showing up and, um, look after their bodies? Yes. Great question. Yeah. So strength training, definitely. Um, and I guess alongside strength training would be if you can and if you have capacity for it, to try and do some plyometric training as well because we know there's lots of good research behind that for helping to strengthen your bones and your tendons, which is obviously going to help to keep you consistent. Um, Having deload weeks within your training schedule is always a good option. It's just going to give your body a chance to recover and actually adapt to what you've been doing before you then sort of build again. And everyone is different, but we tend to suggest having a deload week between sort of eight and every eight and 12 weeks. And that doesn't have to be a full rest, but it might just be that you drop your load back by 20% or 30%, um, just to give yourself that little bit of breathing space before you head off again. So that's something to consider. Um, And then we've obviously got all of those sort of, 
fundamentals like diet and energy intake, sleep, making sure that you're getting enough sleep, rest and recovery, um, just sort of, yeah, looking after your mental health as well. We know that mental and psychological health can have an effect on your physical health. So, yeah, just being mindful of all of those other things that are happening in your life as well. Um, and then I think getting a pre-made program that someone professional has written is also a good option. Just be mindful that you need to have that nice sort of base prior to starting like a marathon training program, for example, um, just to make sure that you don't get injured from there as well. Love that. Yes, well, I think Esther and I have got the sleep down pat. We sleep <laughs> a lot, which is great. Uh, and then I guess one other thing that we do quite a lot, maybe it's a toxic trait, but is uh, get quite regular Thai massage. Uh, <laughs> oh, great. We, we love a good massage. And uh, if it was up to me and I had the time and probably money, I would do it every single week. Firstly, do you think getting like a Thai massage or a good massage regularly is good for runners? And if so, how regularly should you be doing that? Hmm. Massage, it's interesting. It's got mixed research behind it, actually. Um, there is some research to support that it can help with uh, performance uh, and injury prevention, a small amount of research. Um, but it's got great research to support sort of injury recovery. So um, I guess if I'm looking at it from like my physio lens, that's what I would be thinking about. Um, but then we know that massage is just a time where you lie down for an hour <laughs> and potentially relax. Well, a Thai massage, maybe not. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's relaxing. And I think that that's got its own benefits in itself. But it's not going to do you any harm to have your muscles released um, and to have some more blood flow flowing into those areas and to have some more flexibility where you need it and all of those sorts of things. So um, I'm a huge advocate for massage. Um, but sometimes when we look at the research, it doesn't, it's not as amazing as how the massage feels. <laughs> um, hopefully that explains that. Um, but if we're thinking like frequency of massage, I think it just depends on what works for your body. Like I would be the same. If I could afford it, I would have a massage at least once a week. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I think if you had a massage once a month, once every three months, um, that would be great as well. Yeah. I feel like we do it more for our mind than our body, to be honest. Mm -hmm. yeah. Exactly. Yeah. It's just that time where you're like, I'm working on myself. This is for me. You know, I don't have to be anywhere else right now. I'm just lying down, relaxing, which is probably just allowing a little bit of that water to trickle out of the bottom of the bucket meaning that you can then fill it up again, which is cool. Love that. Yeah. Bucket. We're going to have to title this, like, be proud of your bucket. Yeah, perfect. <laughs> uh, I think we should go and book a massage now. I think so too, yeah. I want to empty my bucket. <laughs> yeah, same. Uh, well, thank you so much, Grace. That was really educational. I feel like so many people will hopefully walk away now feeling really excited about the year and making good decisions to look after their bodies and be able to, yeah, run consistently and also enjoy running. That is the, the goal at the end of the day, isn't it? So 
Thank you so much for all of your knowledge. We will be tagging Grace into the show notes. So go ahead and check her out on Instagram. Uh, we'll tag in her other episodes into the show notes as well. So you can go back and listen to those too. But uh, in the meantime, Esther and I will be back in your ears next week for a bit of a chat or else you can get in touch with us on Instagram at femi.co or head to our website, femi.co. But yeah, thanks team. Thanks so much for having me. Thank you, Grace. Thank you. Bye.